0: In this edition of the podcast, The Age of Outrage. What happens when an exhibition crosses the boundaries of social acceptability? And should galleries be subjected to classifications like books and films and video games? We catch up with Jill Nicol at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney to talk about art and censorship. In Fremantle, Erin Coates is combining the curation of art and film in Other Suns at the Art Centre there. And we'll talk to her about her curating and being an artist herself. I'm Tim Stackpole and this is inside the gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Once again, we have plenty to get through, so let's get straight on with it. We actually have plenty of new downloads and listeners from right around the world. So if you're not familiar with the podcast prize wheel, this old thing here, right here, has for many years been sitting around quite unemployed, but for now, we use it to choose the order that we conduct our interviews. And the prize wheel is sponsored by Pixel Perfect Pro Lab. Now, they're phenomenal in printing images for professional photographers or undertaking photographic prints of artworks with a special emphasis on expertise in faithful colour rendering and reproduction. So, when it comes to photo printing, to fine art printing, to art reproduction, head to their website at www.pixelperfect.com.au and learn how they guarantee accuracy, consistency and quality. That's pixelperfect.com.au and we put their sponsorship to very good use, creating the transcripts of our interviews, which are posted online for the hearing impaired. And you can find those at www.insidethegallery.com.au. OK, I've got the whiteboard marker in hand. Let's write our interview subjects on the prize wheel right now. Jill Nichol from the MCA and Aaron Coates in Fremantle. All good. Let's give it a spin. And we've landed on censorship in art. Can galleries cross the line? And if so, what action should be taken by the authorities? Jill Nicholl is the Director of Audience Engagement at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney. She's worked for numerous organisations across the UK, including Engage, which is the National Association for Gallery Education over there, the Icon Gallery in Birmingham, Tate Liverpool, Spike Print Studio and others – And at the MCA, she investigates what access, diversity and inclusion means to the museum and for its many audiences. And she's committed to making contemporary art accessible in as many ways as possible and for as many people as possible. And I can vouch for that because, and for the sake of journalistic transparency, yes, I am sometimes on the payroll at the MCA and actually in Jill's department, but that has allowed me the chance to have a one-on-one catch-up with Jill about whether galleries should be bound by a code of practice when it comes to what is considered morally decent. And I began by asking Jill whether galleries around the world have a formal or informal set of guidelines when it comes to things like exhibiting nudes, for example.
1: Not really, Tim. I think everyone... There's an implicit understanding that it is fine, to show nudes in the gallery and museum. You know, we've done it for years and years and years. The whole point of people showing the body was that it's a moment of celebration of beauty. Using religious icons like San Sebastian and having tiny little veil over his genitalia was done by a Dominican monk years and years ago in Florence and caused women to faint at the altar, so they had to remove it. Total nudity has only fairly recently been seen as, as part of contemporary art practice. That kind of historical nude always has a veil over genitalia, but that in itself becomes an incredibly eroticized image.
0: Artists have been painting nudes, as you say, for centuries, mm. and they've been hanging for centuries. But in the world today, people are easily offended political correctness is very much to the fore. Mm. Do we need to reconsider or rethink those sorts of things or are we compromising what art is about if we start to let those sorts of ideas creep in?
1: So I've worked in museums and galleries for over 30 years and I've always been really delighted and proud and happy to work in spaces Where it is one of the few places left where you can talk about taboo subjects. So it's not just nudity, is it? It's about race, it's about abuse, all sorts of things. Political, ethics, religion, all the stuff that, you know, we're all a bit too scared to to speak about. And I think, I think, you know, in the last five, ten years, there is a shift towards the far right. I think it is harder for museums to totally feel comfortable in showing really difficult work. But for me, that is our role. This is one of the very few ways in which the world can come into a space and see something which you can't usually discuss in a public arena. Nudity and the nude, nakedness, uh, in my experience, has never actually been something that people have really complained about. I mean, I come from the UK, where... I think people feel embarrassed, like they're they're very, they come across as prudish and they don't want to be seen as prudish. I remember when I worked at Icon Gallery in Birmingham, we had a show of Iraqi. And Iraqi is essentially essentially, uh, pornography. Beautiful young Japanese women tied up with no clothes on. You know, I I personally found it really hard to walk through that gallery every day as, you know, with an MA in feminism under my belt. It was actually really difficult. So there's lots of Things that I had to read about and and sort out for myself, let alone for the public, around a Western perspective, an Eastern perspective, context about hiding stuff under the carpet. You know, Iraqi's work is around uh, sex, nudity, the body is the same as eating, sleeping, breathing. It's all part of being a human being. So let's show it like that, which is fine. We we had a, a way for uh, the audience to feedback at Icon, and we had hardly any. We had hardly any response in six weeks to it. But when we had a show of um, work by conceptual artist Seal Floyer which is, a, is an amazing show, but really hard to get, you know. So one work was uh, called White... It's called White Till Receipt, and it is literally a white till receipt on the wall. It's not framed, it's just stuck on the wall. And I remember I'd just started working at the gallery and I was doing the Saturday talk and 20 people standing there and we'd got to the till receipt and this man was in front of me and he was so upset, he was shaking, he was almost crying... And he got out his wallet and he got out a receipt and said, this is my till receipt. Why isn't this on the wall? And I was, you know, give me a minute and I'll explain why. And he just walked off. And the feedback for that show were five or six books of anger, frustration, vitriol. You, I paid five pounds for a parking ticket to see this rubbish. So that says a lot to me around what different contexts, different cultural contexts, different things really affect people. Mm. So in my experience, nudity has not been that. It's been more things about being made to feel stupid, which is what that was about. Conceptual art has the capacity for an audience to think, I don't know what this means. I feel stupid. I don't want to feel stupid.
0: We've seen in the past where police have been called to galleries. Bill Henson's work, very much so, many years ago. But is there... Do you think there's, because of the changes of people's perception... Will you be forced, and you are a visitor experience professional, will you be forced to consider these things when exhibitions are put together? Will you have to consider putting warnings up, like ratings, warnings, signage in the gallery before people enter?
1: I would say if there's one thing that's standard, um, that there is always warnings. The idea is that you, you, if you have a warning, the audience has the choice. They have the understanding that there is something that they're going to walk into that might offend them. I don't ever want us to be in a position where we have to censor for a public, but I really do also think that people need to have the choice to enter the gallery or not, to not confront something that they weren't expecting, which might be really shocking. My Armitage show opened, and it's really busy. Everyone loves it, and there are some works in there which are show nudity, and we have had one a complaint where someone was really, really unhappy and indeed said to me on the phone, the next time you see me, I'll be there with the police. And I said, good luck with that, Hope, hoping that the police would understand that these are paintings, that the history of the nude goes back a really long way. Oh, it's really tricky, isn't it?
0: I have a history as regimes and people's perceptions have changed or have been forced to have been changed or imprinted on society, there's been book burning, there's been outlawing of certain artists' work. Yeah. Are we seeing the tip of that, do you think? I mean, is this the last bastion of the freedom of expression in an art gallery for reasons of the fact that this is just merely art?
1: No, I want to believe and understand that we will continue, museum and gallery sector will continue to be the place where we will always see work which is potentially of a difficult nature. We're working with artists. What is the artist's role? What do artists do? Many of them respond to the society around us. You know, I often think we we get the work we deserve. I mean, uh, we we own an artwork by Stuart Ringgold, which is uh, essentially a nude tour. And that in itself is interesting, where the emphasis is thrown back onto the visitor themselves to have the experience of being naked within the gallery space, within the museum, looking at our collection. Now, I found that fascinating. When I first arrived here, we'd just bought the work, and I heard Stuart talking about it really eloquently, about what it is like to be stripped bare. Literally, you don't have your phone, you don't have shoes, you don't have bags, It's just you and your skin. Uh, He is naked doing the tour and everyone else is naked. And so it's about the light reflected on your body, what skin looks like, uh, around artworks, but what it's like to have that communal experience. So um, myself and a board member, it was just leaving, who who collects uh, Stuart's work, we went on one of Stuart's tours. And then since then I've led two tours uh, on behalf of Stuart and the work. I've done them both for women, not necessarily because, you know, I feel uncomfortable doing it for a mixed group, but, um, I did one for International Women's Day of our collection. And then I did one for our Pippalotti wrist show last year because that was about embracing the feminine. You know, Pippalotti's work is so joyous. Just felt like a gift to be with a group of women with no clothes on, lying on beds and laughing and enjoying the experience. I mean, Pippa Loddy Show had some nudity in it. And I do remember a teacher coming in with a, a group of um, boys from Catholic uh, Boys High School and just very anxious and said to me, is there nudity in this show? And I said, well, there is. It's in a video at the end of the show. If It's about five minutes in and Pippa Lodi is there jumping up and down, you know, naked. So you might see some some breast action um, for about six seconds, and she didn't take them in. Mm. I think the fear—if mm. we, we are led by fear, what 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 are we afraid of? You know, is this is this coming from a religious position? I mean, for me, going on a nude tour, mm. delivering a nude tour—is when we're actually all naked, we just on. You go, so what? Mm. Oh, look, there's some breasts, and there's some penises, and there's some bottoms, and that's it. And mm. you lose it becomes really familiar and in fact part of that artwork is that you go up and have a glass of wine or if it's you know breakfast up on our level four space outside and by then everyone's running around going yeah it's brilliant this is how we should all be running around naked i think that it's the in a way it's the idea of it that erotic thing which is is more is is more you know difficult for people Yeah, I I, I
0: think, I mean, in terms of that eroticism you're talking about, I mean, we in the society equate nakedness with eroticism. However, there are many cultures that don't. And I think about even Western Scandinavian cultures who will spend time as a family and friends in the sauna completely naked, but there's nothing sexual about it. So I think part of it is the, the imprinting of that eroticism notion on us so that when we see something which is naked, we see genitalia in artwork, then automatically sensuality and eroticism springs to mind when sometimes that's not the goal of the artist.
1: That's right. I mean, yeah, I think that's a really good point about the, uh, making the link between the body and sexuality as opposed to the bodies we just inhabit. I mean, Lizanne, director of the MCA, she sits on a number of key committees which look at this stuff globally. I know that. And I know in the last few years, there's been lots of discussions about ethics and about directors having to take work down pressure from the public I think that is a different thing from just censoring yourself from doing it in the first place I think we have a commitment to showing a a broader range of work about a broader range of things as possible and then seeing what happens
0: Controversy always surrounds art. This is just yet another one to consider with every exhibition that comes up. And, Jill, thank you so much for talking to us.
1: Thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you.
0: And that's Jill Nichol from the Museum of Contemporary Art talking about classification and censorship of artwork in galleries and whether galleries should be subject to the same type of classification as films, video games and books are. And you can go to the website www.mca.com.au To take a look and see what, I have to admit, are some remarkable exhibitions taking place at the gallery right now. Bit unusual, we only have one interview to go on the podcast for this month, so there's no need to spin the Pixel Perfect Pro Lab prize wheel. Instead, let's head straight to Western Australia, where the Fremantle Arts Centre is presenting local, national and international artists who embrace the science fictional imagination, Other Suns is the name of the exhibition, focusing on the less familiar underbellies of science fiction, the hybrid, the noisy, the forbidden, the vernacular. Other Suns probes the human imagination, unveiled on digital screens in junkyard sculptures, and at all points in between. It's interesting for another reason as well, because the Revelation Perth International Film Festival forms part of the exhibition as well. Erin Coates is the curator of the show at the Fremantle Arts Centre. Erin, thanks for joining us on Inside the Gallery.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, Other Sons, how did this come about? What's the history, Erin?
2: So, Other Sons really came about... Um, over the past year through conversations that I've been having with some of the artists in the exhibition mm-hmm. and also with Jack Sargent, who's the program director of Revelation Film Festival, right. which is a great festival we have here in Perth every winter. sure. Uh, and we've, we, Fremantle Arts Centre, have been collaborating with them over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. um, putting on exhibitions that are connected to the film festival and we wanted to continue that this year by actually... Jack and I co-curating a show, and yeah, so I, I guess why uh, you know cult science fiction cinema and art. It's really <laughs> it's really based on my own love of science fiction. I yeah. guess you could say, and and Jack's as well. So mm. our shared interest, um, particularly you know weird cult fringy mm. cinema. So how science fiction is sort of explored in the underbellies of. Um, kind of cult cinema, and also looking at um, new wave fiction uh, in print form from the 60s and 70s, Mm -hmm. uh, and sort of our real interest in how experimental the form became then, and the diversity of voices that started to come through in the new wave. So looking at black, queer, women authors, people like Octavia Butler and Ursula Le Guin. Mm. Um, so this was sort of the foundation of our ideas, is that we wanted to look at alternate voices in science fiction and kind of the underbellies of sci-fi.
0: Mm. How did you go about curating this together, the films and the gallery pieces? Did one come before the other or did you take a film and then try to find pieces that may have inspired further thought? What, what was the process?
2: They kind of evolved simultaneously. So we knew that we wanted to have films in the film festival that were running as a series. um, And we selected kind of older classic and cult science fiction films to screen. Mm -hmm. And and then we knew that we wanted a whole series of works in the exhibition that weren't just moving image, but that were also... um, you know, working with sculpture, installation, paintings, uh, and we've produced a book to go with the show, So, uh, which has both sort of prose and kind of critical essays. So we're, I guess we're really trying to cover all bases, and they all evolved simultaneously.
0: Right, and how about describing some of the pieces you have in the gallery for this exhibition?
2: It's it's local, national, and international artists in the exhibition, and right. we have some new commissioned works by local artists. So Jess Day and Joanne Richardson, who are Perth artists, building their own kind of spaceship of desire inside the main gallery, which mm-hmm. is kind of a geodesic dome, um, and it's really looking at um, pulling apart historic notions of space exploration as being a Um, a kind of a white masculine undertaking that's about another form of colonization and a sort of a very technocratic undertaking. And this is sort of a a chaotic and whimsical um, journey that the spaceship is meant to undertake. And it's really based on notions of the derive um, and of daydreaming. Uh, So it's a really kind of big and fun work. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a work by Neil Oldham that's uh, exploring the moon landing, So he's looking back at that particular time. Um, He's making a new kind of installation work that is using actual newspapers from the day of the moon landing from 1969 that he purchased Mm -hmm. and working into an installation with kind of a structure above it. And it's really about looking back at this time that was all about looking forward Mm. Um, and the sort of optimism captured in that moment and notions of where we might be now. So this real belief that we'd have a lunar base and we'd have manned missions to Mars yep. um, you know, soon following uh and, and kind of pulling apart some of the, the expectations and the optimism of that and trying to think about where we are now. and and where we think we're going now. Sure. Matthew Bradley, who's another work from Adelaide, and he does these extraordinary cast metal vessels, which he's been making in his backyard. He created uh, his own furnace and taught himself how to cast metal, which is a really intense and difficult process. It's like, you know, the photos, it's like a mini sun being Mm. born, basically. Mm. Um, And he makes... um, he started this process of making vessels and they have a really extraordinary quality to them. They, they look like they could be detritus from a a failed space mission or that they're objects from, um, you know, from an alien world. So he's made some new vessels for this exhibition, which we're really excited to be able to show. And it's part of an ongoing um, kind of work that he makes. Um, And we have another local artist, Dan Burke, who's looking at, um, who's, who's, Got a collection of uh, kind of new wave science fiction novels, um, vintage ones from Jack's collection, and he's been working with the kind of typography and the illustrations on the covers of these bo- of these books, and responding by making a new work, which is actually taking the form of a series of T-shirts, which will be integrated into a terrarium. So it's quite a, a quite a complex installation.
0: Now, would you have considered this as a standalone exhibition without the opportunity to combine it with a film festival?
2: Oh, um, yes, we would, but it's just better being able to <laughs> <laughs> to be able to connect it with the festival. Um, you know, I really enjoy working with Jack Sargent and the, and the whole team at Revelation Film Festival, um, and I think there's a really nice kind of support between our two organisations that we've worked together a few times now, um, and we don't kind of labour over, you know, momentarians of understanding or agreements. We just mm. sort of we, we get into great fun projects and we work together and we cross-promote them. So it's a, really, um, it's a really nice kind of free way of working uh, and I think we'll probably keep doing it as well.
0: While I have you here, mm. I wonder if I might ask about the challenges of being a curator in Fremantle, in Perth. Mm being quite the distance from the rest of the Australian population. And in Fremantle, it does have a culture and a presence all of its own. Are there frustrations for you to suffer uh, being isolated in a way, if that's the right word?
2: Yeah. You know, in space, no one can hear you scream. (laughs) Um, I guess, you know, you just have to embrace the isolation we have here. It's something, um, I grew up here. I spent a lot of time overseas, but I've come back again. And I think it's actually, you have to work with it as an advantage. And and the fact that we are demographically very isolated um, means that I think artists have become more supportive of one another. They know that they, that you know, their peership and their support of one another is the most important thing. They're not going to be assured to have audiences interstate. So uh, I really enjoy working here. Um, And I mean, Fremantle is a part of Greater Perth. So... Um, it's you know it 's not tiny there 's there's enough happening here that it, it really I think the ideas stay fresh and there 's always kind of new work being made and new work to see so sure. for me it 's a real privilege to get to curate here and to get to put together a show like this. Um, you know The real challenge comes i guess when you 're looking at trying to bring over interstate or international work um, it 's that cost of freighting and also um, if we have a lot of interstate artists in an exhibition it's it 's that really difficult choice of deciding. Who we, you know, which ones we invite to come over for the show? Because obviously, the, the the cost of bringing everybody over is a bit prohibitive. Mm. Um, so that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, but I don't find actually working in Perth um, in, and in Fremantle challenging. I, I find it a real, um, a real advantage. Actually, mm. I think it's great what we've got going on here.
0: And you can speak from an artist perspective as well. It was in mm. t- 2017, if I remember correctly, your work was featured in the National on the East Coast, and some people might remember the photos of you. You climbed the outside of the Museum of Contemporary Art because you are actually a climber. You are a person Mm -hmm. of quite strong character and physically as well. Do you get the same exhilaration in creating art as you do being a climber, literally reaching the summit of those things you are physically climbing?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think it's taken me a long time to realise this, but I think... um you know the the endurance that you need to keep being creative. Um, it's not just um, it's it's not just something you draw on mentally. I think physically mm. you have to have stamina to sure. keep being an artist year after year, and you have to find a, a, a way of of maintaining your endurance in every sense. Um, and for me, climbing is a great way of doing that. Right. It's um you know it's sort of a metronome. It keeps me um, it keeps my mind free. I don't feel um, Too bogged down with things when I'm climbing, I'm always. It's always a free space. So yeah, you know, I suppose I, when I started making work about climbing, I I complicated things a little. Yeah. Um, But it was it was inevitable. Something that I'm so passionate about was going to find its way into my work eventually.
0: On a similar note, are you able to work on that demarcation between the artist in you and the curator in you when you're curating somebody else's work?
2: Oh look, I, I don't know that I can articulate that. I, I guess I found a method for doing it, and I bring it back to you know remembering that, you know I'm not I'm not just curating for myself. That we have an audience here, um, and so I'm I'm really sort of mindful as well of um, our audience's engagement with these shows and and how that whole show is going to be experienced by them. So I think that helps to pull me back from from kind of being too indulgent in how I'm working with artists and and remembering. Um, that, you know, it's about them and it's about our audience as well. It's not just about what I kind of see in the work and what I want to get from it.
0: Erin, thanks so much for speaking with us. I hope other sons at the Fremantle Arts Centre goes very well.
2: Oh, look, thanks for having me. It's It's um, been a joy. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: That's Aaron Coates talking about Other Suns at the Fremantle Art Centre. It runs through until the 14th of September, and you can learn more about it by visiting the Art Centre's website at www.fac.org.au. And as always, if you do want to learn or hear more about a specific exhibition or an upcoming opening, please do get in touch via the contact details at www.insidethegallery.com.au. That is the podcast for this edition. Please do share and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll always keep updating inside the gallery's Facebook and Instagram pages with exhibitions and other stuff that we love. And don't forget to let anyone know who can use them. The interview transcriptions from this edition, they are available at the website as well. I'm Tim Stackpole, and please do remember, when you're visiting the gallery, remove your backpack, OK? Bye-bye for now.